Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Side Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Happy to be joined by Jeremy Rutherford. He's the Blues Insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. JR, we appreciate the time as always, man. How's the off-season mode treating you? Uh, it's been great, yeah. Just uh, ran out to the Ozarks for a few days for a little baseball tournament for the little guy and uh, got the report cards out. And now I'm working on a mailbag today, so we should have a two-part mailbag coming out at The Athletic in the next few days. Very nice. I'm looking forward to that. JR, I wanted to get your reaction uh, to the series that we just watched between Edmonton and Colorado. If you missed it because you blinked, uh, it is over. And Edmonton <laughs> is done. They are out of the playoffs. The Avs are moving on. They have lost two games in the postseason, both of which came against the Blues. They swept both of their other series. Is there any big picture takeaways that you have after watching what the Avs did in the Western Conference this year? Yeah, it's just how poised they are. And, uh, you know, the Blues came back, obviously, in that game five and got them uh, one of the two losses that the Avs have had. So if you look at it, they've only been dominated really one game, and that was that game two. Uh, I thought the Blues played terrific. The Avs didn't. Um, So I just think they've been poised. They look like a team that's on a mission. They look like a team that's lost in the second round a few times in a row, and now they know what it takes. And, And, you know, the key for me is, when you see a team play well despite the, scar- the stars not really scoring, kind of like what was the case early in that Blue series, but yet they're still finding a way to win, and then you get to a point in the playoffs where those stars really come alive like uh, McCarr did last night, you know, that's the type of team that you have to be uh, really fearful of. So, you know, I felt like you know, Edmonton probably deserved a win in there. Those last two games were, were close, uh, but Colorado came back and, and won those games. So just two losses, as you mentioned, pretty impressive so far. So, Jer, with that performance, I mean, how 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 much more open do you feel like the Stanley Cup window is for the Blues? Because we were talking about that at opening of the show. Like, in my opinion, after watching that series with Edmonton and what the Blues did to Colorado without Bennington and Torrey Krug, for me it feels like Colorado and St. Louis and then everybody else in the West. Yeah, to me it's open, and, and I agree with Doug Armstrong what he has said. Like, he put that five-year time frame on the championship window that first year that they won the Cup in 19, and so, you know, if you go by that, you're saying, okay, well, does it close in 23-ish, uh, you suppose? But I, I just think the way that rosters evolve, it's hard to put uh, years on windows because uh, you look at the contracts, they get moved, uh, you know, the teams get younger, uh, younger players like a Kyra and a Thomas step up, and I think that extends it. Also, what happens with guys that you guys touched on it yesterday uh, with like O'Reilly and Tarasenko? Do they stay? Do they go? So I think that the Blues window is open. I think it's clear that they're one of the top two or three teams in the Western Conference and one of the top five or six probably 
in the league. And, you know, with some tweaking this offseason, I think they can be right there next year. So I definitely think this window is open. JR, I, I mean, the big piece for this offseason, or at least one of them, is Vladimir Tarasenko. He's making $7.5 million going into next year. It's the final year of his deal. We all know the backstory, the backdrop, and all of your great reporting uh, from last offseason of what that was like. And then, of course, he comes in, has a career year points-wise for the Blues, and was outstanding on the ice for the vast majority of the season. Is there any update on where we are right now with Vladimir Tarasenko and what you're anticipating from him and his situation this offseason? Yeah, not really an update. I'm efforting. You know, I think that they probably let the dust settle a little bit. I think all along there's been, you know, the idea that there would be a conversation between the two sides and where this would be going next year. As we've dissected so in depth, you know, you guys on the show and you know, tried to do at the athletic. There's so many different variables involved in here in this decision. You know, does uh, Tarasenko want to be back? Does he want to keep the the trade request on the table? What do the Blues want to do? You know, if they feel that that window is only open for a couple more years, uh, they obviously think that Tarasenko could be a part of of winning during this window. So you keep him. But you know, uh, do you want to trade him when his value is high, which it is right now? Do you have any intention whatsoever of bringing him back next year, re-signing after the final year of his contract? So I think all those things are what Doug Armstrong has been tackling uh, probably uh, in his mind the last uh, 12 months and, and will continue to do so here. So, you know, I hope to have some sort of explainer piece where this stands and where it could be headed in the very near, near future, but uh, no update right now. Uh, so, Jr., this is kind of a hypothetical thing, and I want you to put yourself in Doug Armstrong's shoes here. I'm going to give you four options and give me the Jeremy Rutherford power rankings on, on how you feel. Oh, I love this. Let <laughs> me write them down. This is, don't, I'm not giving you five, along. though, Jr., because you can't steal the Ferrari 05. This is a four <laughs> for Jeremy Rutherford. But the necessity of these things to try and accomplish in the offseason, making a big-time trade, shoring up the defensive side, getting a goaltender, and fixing the fourth line. How would you rank those four? Trade for a forward? I'd probably, yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably go with the uh, these the Rutherford rankings. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. I'd go with the <laughs> I'd go with uh, the defense. You know, and I like the way the defense. I mean, a lot of people were a little bit critical of the generous grades I gave some of these defensemen. I just feel like with all the questions there were about the defense and you know Scandella, I was writing early in the season. When are they going to bench this guy? Uh, you know they perform pretty well I mean I kind of grade based on uh, what's the guy capable of and you know you bring in guys like Kelly Rosen and who didn't expect to be on the roster and you know these guys really came together and, and even Scandelli and got the job done they did could it have been better yes but but I feel like the questions that we had early on they're still there somewhat but uh, you know I thought it was pretty good so so anyway I think that's the biggest thing right there you know, I'm not as worried about the goaltending because the way uh, Bennington finished, I think um, he was really humbled this year and really showed us something down the stretch. If you get Huso back, that's even better. Uh, you know, what, what was the fourth one? Because I think that the major trade is probably you know, one of the last on my list. What was your fourth one? Yeah, the fourth one was the major trade. Oh, uh, shoring up the fourth line. Yeah, shoring up the fourth line is important. So I would probably put that in the top two. Uh, because what's it going to look like? Like they said all along that Logan Brown probably wasn't a fourth player, fourth line player. He's one of your guys coming back. You know, Nathan Walker, I, I think he's great as a player. He can come in as a pinch uh, guy, but you know, I, I think it, you go into the season with him in your fourth line, you know, probably not. 
you know, Torpchenko is the guy to me that, that really sticks out. So I think he's back and, and uh, penciled into that starting lineup for sure. And then Bozak probably not back. So I do think they're probably going to have to go outside the organization to bring some people in. So I'd say left side uh, defense and the defense number one, then I'd probably go fourth line. Um, and then I'd probably go uh, the goaltending situation because if Huso doesn't come back, what are you going to do? And then I'd go major trade. I was just going to say, uh, so okay, so we know from the Rutherford ranking that uh, goaltender is more important than Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, so uh, my follow-up <laughs> question here, JR, is A, why do you hate Matthew Kachuk? And B, so how about David Posternock? What do you think about that possibility of bringing him to yeah. St. Louis? First of all, first of all, what writers do love are stories that write themselves, and Matthew Kachuk would write itself all year long, so it wouldn't be a lot of effort to come up with story ideas uh, if that trade were to materialize. So, so no, and uh, yeah, I've been listening to your Pasternak discussion. I think Alex uh, pretty much hit it on the head earlier when he said, hey, listen, you know, this isn't a report that Boston wants to trade him. This isn't a report that Pasternak wants out. You know, what Fluto kind of laid out there is that, look, they've made this change in Boston, uh, removing uh, Cassidy as the coach. And so they're probably going to go younger with the coach, probably going to go with a guy like uh, Jay Leach. And the situation in Boston is they want to let these young players play without the idea of uh, making mistakes. And, and we saw that with uh, Jake DeBrusque. You saw, saw it with Trent Fredrickson, stuff like that. So, so I think the situation in Boston is without a Zidane Char, with a Marchant that's going to be banged up and miss the first part of the season, you know, without some of their core guys that have been there for a long time, this is going to be probably a rebuild in Boston. And does Pasternak want to be a part of that? Probably not. Do they think that they can resign him after the final year of his contract next year? They may think that they can't. So like Fluto said in his piece, he's probably the biggest trade chip. And if he is available, yeah, I would think that the Blues would, would definitely have some interest. But, you know, who who do you move for him? Because if it's a rebuild in Boston, Tarasenko's probably not going there if you want to move him. So is it a Jordan Cairo? Is it somebody else? I mean, Pasternak's still only 26 years old. So uh, you're going to have to give up something to, to get him uh, and a good player with uh, a lot of good years ahead of him. So I have one more question, but I want to follow up with this one, Jerry. If you were to look at it, hey, look, another Rutherford ranking. Which one do you feel like would be more likely of a trade for the Blues this offseason, a Pasternak or a Kachuk trade? Ooh, and can I ask a follow-up on top of that? No, which one would you rather both. have? Oh, I thought you were going to go for both. <laughs> well, I do want both, but I, I've been told that's not likely. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think both players could, you know, step in and just be great, great pieces for the Blues, both of them. I mean, could you imagine Pasternak on that power play with uh, with uh, Tory Krug, that, you know, that, like they had in Boston, that'd be great. So, you know, I think he would be good. Uh, you know, I think the fact that he's, he's 26, like I mentioned, he's still young. Um, you know, Kachuk to me is just the perfect piece. And I hate to be so convenient with that and, you know, just follow all the speculation and, you know, wish for it to happen and stuff like, I just think what he brings that skill and that potential and that grittiness and, you know, just that it factor. Uh, and on top of that, you know, people here in St. Louis already love him. So he'd walk into a situation that would just be perfect for him. So anyway, I, I think both players would be great. You know, they're different types of players. Um, and in terms of which one would I rather have, you know, I, I think, uh, I think it'd probably be Kachuk. He said both. Yeah, he did say both. But we know why he'd rather <laughs> yeah. have Kachuk for the storyline of this one. Yeah, for Jer sure. One more I wanted to <laughs> ask you, and this kind of goes back to the fourth line conversation, but, you know, watching this Tampa Bay and the New York Rangers series, let's put the Matthew Kachuk in the, in the poster next to the side of making a big to. move like that. Do you think Doug Armstrong could potentially go into this offseason and look at it as, look, we can sign a couple of fourth liners, 
Or maybe we go out there and sign like a, a Nick Paul or an Andrew Kopp or something like that to be a third-line player and move third-line guys down to the fourth line. I do like Andrew Kopp. Yeah, I guess you could. The only thing is, like, who are we talking about moving down? Because down the stretch there you had, like, a, a Shen, a Kairou on the third line. So, I, you know, I don't know. You know, you could move a Barbashev down to the fourth line. So you got a Barbashev and a Torpchenko uh, within that group. I guess it just, just depends on, on yeah. who you're pushing down. Yeah, it would it would be Barbie. God, come um, on, BK. What, what's with all the hate, man? That's that's what we do Damn. on this show. Uh, it, uh, we do it with love, though. We do it with love. I don't think we do. <laughs> Jr. I've I've got a uh, last question for you. Yeah. I had a pet project last year of getting sawed to St. Louis. Oh, what are you talking about? Your school project? For I uh, I have a new one this year, and it is because Alex brought this gentleman to my attention, and he seems like the perfect fit for the St. Louis Blues as a left-handed defenseman as. One of those oh, options. <laughs> if, this is unbelievable. If things go awry with Jacob Chikrin, JR, or if they, have to, to laugh. they have to aim low. What about Ulimata as a left-handed defenseman? He's 27 years old. He's played for the Kings, played for the Penguins. He's got that winning pedigree. He's a very good defensive-minded defenseman. Is Ulimata the type of player that this Blues team could use? You know, I suppose. I think there was actually some interest going back to his uh, Penguins days. I don't know if it was the Penguins trying to, to move him or if it was the Blues had some interest, but uh, for whatever reason, you know, if that were the case, it didn't materialize. Uh, you know, I suppose, but, you know, I, I just think, you know, what do you think about the Blues defense as it stands right now? I know there's people that want to move Scandell, and I understand that. You know, to me, if he's in your third pair, uh, he's okay. What do you think about Mikola? Um, so before I answer the question and before anybody can answer the question about Mata, it's got to be what, what do you think about the guys you have in place here and what are your chances of getting a guy like Chikrin? Because if you can get a Chikrin, then then certainly okay. that would take uh, – yeah, that would that would be the priority, right? So so if you can't get a Chikrin, you know, I suppose he could help, but I think you'd first have to find out, you know, what do you think about Perimovic? Are you going to put him in – you know, uh, potentially a top four role. Uh, Mikola, after his year of growth, is he, you know, a second pair guy potentially, or is he in your third pair? So, so yeah, I do think he could probably help, but yeah, he wouldn't probably be, you know, on my short list of guys that I would be thinking about bringing yeah. in. Jr. Tell me who. Damn, tell man. me who. Tell me who Ali Mata sounds like from Finland, six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds, <laughs> play the left side. Who's that sound like? Yeah. Proven, yeah. proven left-handed defenseman. He's played since two times I'm trying to tell BK over here, Jr. Like, hey, this guy is essentially Ali Mata in three years from now. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I'm in the here and now where my team wants to win a Stanley Cup, and I need somebody that's ready to go as a top or second pair defenseman it's right just now. Trash. JR, we appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Anytime, boys. Talk See to you later. later. You got it. This is Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on 101 ESPN.